0: morning. I want to welcome you to worship those who are here and those who are joining us online. My name is Farrah Karamee and I'm the youth pastor here at Woodlawn and I'm honored to be able to preach this morning. As you know this is the Sunday before Thanksgiving and many of you may be looking forward to the Thanksgiving season time with your family and friends, time out of a routine and out of work or maybe for some of you this is a difficult time. Maybe the holidays bring a lot of stress with them and it's a difficult time for you. I want to remind you that First Thessalonians 5.18 tells us to give thanks in all circumstances. Now, this is important because it tells us to give thanks in all circumstances, not necessarily for all circumstances. I want to remind you that the best is yet to come. We know that the best truly is yet to come. We can look forward with anticipation because we know that there's hope for our future. This morning, we're going to be looking at the book of John, specifically the fourth chapter. But before we do so, I want to set up um, what John says about the purpose of the book of John. He says that this book is written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life in his name. This morning, that is my prayer for you, and that is my prayer for me, that we would believe that Jesus is in fact the Messiah, and that by believing in him, we would have life in his name. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at the story of Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well, and we're going to see some circumstances here that are less than ideal, but we're going to recognize this morning that we can give thanks in those circumstances. So if you would, take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to John chapter 4. Beginning in verse 4. So, to better understand this passage, we first have to recognize who the Samaritans are. They were considered a mixed breed, part Jew, part Gentile, that grew out of the Assyrian captivity of the 10 northern tribes in 727 BC. And so the Jews rejected them because they could not prove their genealogy. And in fact, Jews would pray that no Samaritan would be raised in the resurrection. This is a pretty deep hatred. And when people wanted to insult Jesus, they called him a Samaritan. So Jews and Samaritans would never, ever, ever associate. So we pick up in John chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, it says, Now he, meaning Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now, this morning, we're going to be looking at the the little details in the Bible, because the details really do matter, and sometimes I feel like we just kind of graze over them thinking, oh, they're not really that important, but this morning, I challenge you to really dig deep, because these details are going to um, tell us a lot about the character of Jesus and about um, the story, so hang in with me with the details. So, um, it says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, what we know is that Jesus didn't actually have to go through Samaria, in fact, there were three possible routes Jesus could have taken. He could have gone um, along the coast, he could have gone across the Jordan and up through Perea, or he could have gone straight through Samaria. And so what we see is that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Well, of course, that begs the question of why. And so we got to keep reading to find out. And then it says that Jesus was tired. I love this because we know that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man, and he knows what it's like to be tired. And so if you're barely hanging on this morning and are tired, know that Jesus can relate to that, but please do try to stay awake. Um, And so Jesus is tired. And then it says that he sat down by the well at noon. You see, this is significant because most people didn't go to the well at noon. They went early in the morning or late at night. And, And so it's significant that Jesus is tired and he's by the well at noon. And so what we're gonna see is that he encounters this Samaritan woman who probably came to the well thinking that she was gonna be alone. But what we realize here is that Jesus doesn't leave her alone. And so we keep reading verse 7. It says, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me? for a drink, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water Will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So we see here that Jesus engages with this woman by asking her a direct question Will you give me a drink? And she can't understand why a Jewish man is talking to a Samaritan woman and then she realizes that Jesus doesn't even have a bucket to draw the water from. So none of this makes sense. And she's thinking in a very literal way, whereas Jesus is speaking metaphorically. And what Jesus is offering her is not a better quality of water. He's not offering her, you know, Dasani or Fiji or Aquafina or purified water. What Jesus is actually offering her is himself. You see, what he's saying is, hey, the well that you keep drawing from is never going to satisfy you. And I wonder what Jesus might say to us, too. Hey, you know the well of approval? You know the well of recognition? The well of fitting in? The well of finances? The well of pleasure? Those wells will never, ever satisfy you. There was a time in my life when I decided to walk away from the Lord. I was angry and bitter at some things that were not ideal in my life that had occurred, and so I decided that I didn't need God. And so I was going to do it myself, and so I quit going to church. I quit reading my Bible. I quit Um, doing all the right Christian things. And so I began to drink from the wells of this world to try to find love and approval and satisfaction and all the things. And it didn't take me long to realize that I could drink from these wells my entire life and they would never be enough. They will always run dry. And so what Jesus is saying to her is, hey, these wells are never gonna, they're never gonna satisfy you. And so he offers her something better, something different, which is ultimately himself. And so we keep reading in verse 15. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, is that you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Point number one is this. We can give thanks because we serve a God who sees us, who knows us, and who loves us. And you may be thinking, well, that sounds ironic compared to what you just read about Jesus calling her out, right? But let me tell you something. Jesus' ability to see her, to see her sin, to see her mistakes, to see her past, to see her hopelessness, her dissatisfaction in life, is ultimately what changed her life. And so Jesus loved her in this moment because being loving is being truthful. Being loving is being truthful. And when you collide with Jesus, you collide with the truth. And the truth that you and I must recognize this morning is that if we don't realize the severity of our sin, we will never realize the need for a Savior. Let me say that again. If we don't recognize that we are sinners, we will never realize that we need Jesus. Verse nineteen, the woman said, "I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem." Woman, Jesus replied, "Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come when." The true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So what does she do? She does what many of us do, what I tend to do. When she gets uncomfortable coming face to face with who she, who she is, she decides to change the subject. Because it's easier to talk about all things religion than to come face-to-face with who you are. It's easier to debate a theological topic than to come face-to-face with your brokenness. Don't we do this? Don't I do this? Instead of admitting our brokenness, we're content with just putting on a smile and acting like everything's okay. Instead of spending time with God, we're content with just doing things for God. You see, that's not what Jesus is after. He's not after your behavior modifications. Jesus is not after a better you. He's not after you doing better, doing all the right Christian things. Jesus is after your heart. That you would believe that Jesus is in fact the Messiah and that by believing in him, you would have life in his name. Jesus is after your heart. And then we get to verse 25. This is my favorite part in the entire story. It says, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Point number two is this. We can give thanks because we serve a God who reveals himself to us. Can you imagine this moment for a minute? Can you just imagine this? This woman probably feels a lot of guilt and shame and so she goes to the well hoping to just go through the motions of her life and she goes and she tries to get water to fill up her bucket and to go home and to get on with her life and then she notices this Jewish man who's sitting by the well and then all of a sudden he engages with her by asking her a direct question will you give me a drink and she's like what in the world why are you talking to me what is happening And so then he offers her something better, but yet he doesn't have a bucket to even draw water with. And she's like, I literally don't get this. This is bizarre. And so then he calls her out and tells her stuff about her that probably no one else would know. And all of a sudden she realizes, hmm, there's something different here. This guy's just not an ordinary guy. Maybe he's a prophet. And so she decides to change the subject and talk about a religious debate instead of coming face to face with who she is. And then she looks at Jesus dead in the face and says, hey, when Jesus comes back, he'll explain everything to us. And can you imagine as Jesus looks at her face to face, right, she probably doesn't look many people in the face because of, the, because of her shame and guilt, but she looks Jesus dead in the face. And he responds to her, hey, I am Jesus. Do you know that this is the only time That Jesus voluntarily and candidly reveals himself to someone. And do you know who he reveals it to? An unnamed Samaritan woman who's been married five times and is living with someone who is not her husband. You see, Jesus knew everything about her, he knew her past, he knew her sins, he knew her failures. And yet he did not deem her beyond repair. And the truth that you and I must recognize this morning is that Jesus doesn't deem us beyond repair. Romans 8 tells us that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing. Romans 5.8 tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It didn't say once we got our lives together, once we decided to come to church, once we decided to act like good people. It was while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus defeated anything and everything that could ever separate you from the love of God. That is good news today and every single day of our lives. Earlier this week, I was running, and typically when I run, I I usually write sermons or lessons or whatever. I don't know, it's the weirdest thing, but it's the only time that I feel like I can really get alone and not be distracted. And so, as I'm running, I'm like, okay, Lord, what am I going to speak on? What should I say? And I was like, I I don't want to say anything that doesn't come from you. I don't want to get up there on my own confidence or anything like that and say, you know, just great things. I only want to say what the Lord has asked me to say. And so as I'm running, I hear this song play, and I usually listen to Christian music. And the song is called, I Am Loved by Mac Brock. And these are the words. It says, there's no disappointment in your eyes. There's no shame. There's only pride. I am loved, Father. I am loved by you. You know, I really believe that this is now the new song that the Samaritan woman is singing because she realized who Jesus was and the narrative that she'd been living by and and believing about herself, that she had no value, she had no worth, she could only ever experience guilt and shame, there was no hope for her future. Jesus rewrote that by revealing himself to her. And now she can walk away knowing that she's loved by a good, good father. And then lastly, verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Point number three is this. We can give thanks because we serve a God who allows us to be a part of of the story. The truth is, is that God doesn't need you. That's a humbling reality. God doesn't need us, but he chooses us and he allows us to be a part of his story. The great commission, therefore go, which is telling us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. God allows us to be a part of of his story, And so this woman leaves everything at the well, literally everything, her water jug, but her past life, she leaves it at the well because something greater happened. And she could not wait to go tell others about her newfound purpose and hope that is found in Christ, in Christ alone. And so what we learned this morning is that Jesus had to go through Samaria because he had to encounter this unnamed Samaritan woman at the weirdest time by the well to tell her that he sees her, he knows her, and that he loves her. And then ultimately, he had to reveal himself to her so she wouldn't be left wondering who he is. And then what we see is that he allowed her to play a part in his story as she went back and told people who Jesus is. You see, her situation was less than ideal, but Jesus met her in that, and he altered the course of her life for eternity. And that is a reason to be thankful. When I was a freshman in college, I had been dating this guy pretty seriously, and and we broke up, and I'm sure you can relate to the devastation of breaking up with somebody. And so I remember just being really, really sad and upset and all of that. And so a couple days after the breakup, I went to a Christian concert. And they sang the song 10,000 Reasons, and I had heard this song many, many times, so it wasn't a new song to me. But the words really hit me hard. And so one of the verses says, For all your goodness, I will keep on singing 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. And so I decided that night that I was going to start writing a reason every single day that I had to be thankful, a reason to keep going, a reason to keep trusting and believing the Lord. And so through that time, I experienced a lot of hardship. I lost two grandparents. I moved away from my family. I served in a really difficult place. Um, I left a best friend. I mean, I've I've moved all over. But also through that time, I graduated from college. I started getting a master's degree. I've made many significant relationships in my life, and I've continued to follow the Lord in ministry. And so this morning, as I was preparing to write this, I wrote down reason number 2,379. And so let me tell you, if you're struggling with a reason to keep going, I promise you, you can find one. Because the Lord is still good, and he is still faithful, and I have felt his goodness and his faithfulness all over my life. And so we don't have to give thanks for all circumstances. But we can give thanks in all circumstances because we know the God who is over all circumstances. This morning, do you know the God that I'm speaking about? Do you know the God who sees you, who knows you, and who loves you? Do you know the God who reveals himself through the person of Jesus? And do you know the God who allows you to be a part of his story? Do you know this, God? Not just in your head, but in your heart. This morning, I'm praying that you would know that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you would have life in his name. This morning, let us pray together. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for this day, and we thank you for this time together. God, I thank you that we can come into this place, and we can open up your word. And God, I thank you that your word is alive and active. And so, God, there's always something new that we can learn from that, and I thank you for that. And God, we thank you for the story of the woman at the well. God, her circumstances were less than ideal. But God, we see that you met her in that and you changed her life forever. And so God, I'm praying that we would believe you, that we would believe that you are the Messiah and that by believing in you, God, we would have life in your name because that is what you want for us. And so God, would you help us to be thankful, to recognize that you are in all circumstances. You don't leave us alone, but God, you love us, and you have a great plan for our lives, and we can trust you in that. And so, God, we thank you for this time. We love you, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen.